You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Hey, thanks for joining us today for our online worship. I'm so thankful that you're a part of our worship today. And if you're watching this uh, on the premiere, thanks for engaging with the church uh, during this time. And if you're watching this on a replay, hey, thanks for just uh, tuning in and listening for a few moments and being a part of our worship as well. And today we're in part three of our series, The Worst Year Ever, and we're calling this series that because, I mean, why not, right? It's been a rough year for a lot of people. Uh, for, for some, 2020 may have actually been the worst year that they have ever lived through. For, for some, it may not be as bad as maybe it's been exaggerated to be at times. And, and as I encouraged you to last week, to find the good in in this year for some this year has been much better or maybe I should even say just kinder to to them than it has to others but there's been no doubt about it this year has certainly brought along a number of difficulties because of the pandemic we have had to alter the way that we live our lives Uh, things like face coverings and social distancing are part of the the right now and and hopefully sooner rather than later they'll be a thing of the past but they are for certain right now a thing of the present Families have have had to navigate all sorts of different issues. They've had to figure out how end-of-life situations uh, are going to be handled without actually being able to be with the person who is at that stage of life. I I can't imagine how difficult that is for for so many families. Churches have had to figure out uh, alternative ways to gather and and to be able to reduce capacity and and to, to do things differently. I never thought I would live in a time where a handshake or a hug in a church setting would be uh, frowned upon by society, but but yet here we are. Um, it, it's it's fist bumps and and really not even that uh, to to a large degree. Schools are are having to navigate all kinds of issues like non traditional instruction and 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 students having the capability to access that non traditional instruction and and teachers are having to become tech tech experts just to uh, teach fundamental classes. And as Thanksgiving approaches, families are making decisions about uh, their gathering with their families that they would normally have. Um, Some families are are postponing or or canceling their normal Thanksgiving plans because of the pandemic in in an effort to avoid larger gatherings. And yet during all of these difficult circumstances, and, and there have been some difficult circumstances in 2020 that have been thrown our way, we can still be thankful. And that's what this series is all about, the, the how and the why we can be thankful in difficult circumstances. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul gives us this short little command he, when he says, be thankful in all circumstances. And that doesn't come with a caveat that, uh, that says, hey, you know, be thankful when, when it's easy or be thankful when it's convenient or only when I want to or only when things have worked out the way that I think they should work out. No, Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances. And as we've seen over the last two weeks, and we'll continue to see this week and next week, that the reason we can be thankful is because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because of the grace and the mercy that we have in Him, we have a hope for eternity where there will be no viruses, where there will be no need for face coverings or social distancing. Instead, we will simply bask in the glory of Jesus. In 2016, I was training for my first marathon, and I fell short of my goal to complete a marathon, 
uh, because of some injuries that I sustained while I was training. I, I got a really bad case of shin splints that caused me to have to take some time off. And and as I was taking some time off during that during that time of not running, that we got a a pretty good snowstorm, and so I decided it would be a really good idea to take my my boys sleigh riding with some friends. And the first trip down the hill, I, I did a big body dive onto a small little body board and hit the ground really hard and cracked a couple of ribs and so that made running very difficult and so I couldn't run the full 26.2 miles uh, <clears throat> which was really only about six weeks after the sleigh riding incident instead I ended up running the the half marathon that year which is still 13.1 miles and it's still on my bucket list uh, of things to do to complete a marathon uh, mainly because my wife just finished her first marathon in 2019 and that competitiveness in me, well, it just can't handle that she has done that and I haven't. And so uh, so it's on my list, and, and maybe I'll accomplish that in 2021. Who knows? Uh, I, if I'm if I going to, I need to start running, need to start training now. But but one of the things that, that long-distance runners encounters, and, and I did even in, in my training for a marathon, is what's known as, as hitting the wall. On my 20-mile day run days, it, it usually came around mile 17 or 18. And, and when I was running the actual half marathon, it, it might happen around mile 10 or 11. And, and basically what this is, this hitting the wall, is is one minute you're running with, with good energy and, and good speed and good pace, and then the next minute the bottom just drops out. You, you feel this immense fatigue, and, and, and you, you have to stop. Maybe you start walking, and in some extreme cases, uh, you just drop out of the race altogether. But researchers have discovered that this that this is caused because the brain starts to dip in dopamine at certain points in the race. And so there is a literal dip in motivation and, and excitement and the drive to continue. To combat this, what I would do is I would uh, use a music playlist. I, w- I would map out the course and what I expected my and what I expected my pace to be, and then I would sync up a playlist. Uh, strategically with songs that would would be upbeat and you know around certain that would come on 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 my whatever music device I was using around the point that I would be in at, in the race and so it would just kind of help you give give that extra boost that 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 encouragement that that you needed that energy to to just keep going Another strategy that a lot of runners implement is called the spectator strategy, where they position friends and family members uh, along uh, certain mile markers or certain points in the race to help encourage them. And so as, as they're running by, you hear them cheering for you and yelling for you. And, and if you've never been to a, to one of these kind of races, it really is something incredible to see people lined up cheering you on. Instead of hearing you can't do it in your own head, you hear the cheers and the encouragement of your friends and your family and friends and your family and sometimes just strangers yelling at you that you can do it, that you've got this, that you can keep going. And it's really that hearing those things, those cheers of encouragement, it actually counteracts the dopamine dip and it lifts the runner's spirit. It pushes them forward with more perseverance than they had before. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 12 because Hebrews chapter 12 provides us some encouragement. We're going to read a couple of verses at the beginning of the chapter and then we're going to skip down to um, a few verses at the end of the chapter. But here's what the writer, here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Chapter 12, we're going to start at verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then jump down to verses 28 and 29. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. One of the commentators, William Lane, he writes about the background of Hebrews, and, and he suggests that the multiplicity of, of house churches in, throughout Rome indicates why there, there was diversity and disunity and, and a tendency toward independence and persistent problems in the early days of the church. In, in Hebrews, he says, there's evidence of tension between the audience and those currently recognized as leaders. And so there's an evident pastoral concern on, on the part of the writer to bring the groups together in a societal context of, of shared cordiality. In other words, to, to bring them together to, to persevere, to not give up on the church. The, the, the cloud of witnesses that's mentioned in verse 1, it, it points us toward an unshakable kingdom and the faithfulness of God. The, the beginning of the chapter uses this imagery of a race. And if you've ever run a race, then you know that a race calls for self-discipline, for, for personal ex- exertion, for perseverance. Um, and, and because of that, the, the inheritance is set before us in a promise. And the promise is secured by faith and patience, by, by actually running the race set before us. But again, that means that, that we've got to have some self-discipline, that we've got to persevere. I don't know many people that can, uh, can wake up on, on any morning and just say, hey, I'm going to go run a marathon today and, and not really train for it. If you can, more power to you, but typically that doesn't end too well. And so several times in the New Testament, we see this metaphor of running a race, and, and Paul uses it several times. The writer of Hebrews uses it here. And like I said, because of that, a, a race calls for self-discipline, for, for training, for perseverance. And as we run this race of life, we, we can use some of those same strategies to, to run, to, to train for self-discipline so that we can persevere. Because let's be honest, a year like 2020, it can just be exhausting. It can just absolutely wear you out. There, there are moments where you're going to feel like you're just over all of, all of it and, and be tempted to just give in, to just quit whatever it is that you're doing, to just do something else. And if I'm really honest with you, I was having one of those moments earlier this week on, on Monday. Um, I, was just, I was just over it. You know, I, there wasn't necessarily anything that had gone wrong. A couple of things didn't go the way I thought they should go. But I was just over it. And, and, and there's seemingly nothing longer than a week full of Mondays, right? And so I was just, I was just over it. Things didn't go the way I, I thought they needed to do. And, and I was ready to just give in, to give up, to quit, just to do something else, you know, whatever. I was just over it. I was over everything. And I'm sure that you have felt that at times this year and, and other times b- before. And so there's this need to, to persevere, to, to press on, to, to not give up, and to renew yourself in God's Word, to, to find that extra motivation that's needed to keep going. One of the things that I do, in fact, I even did it this past week, is that I have a playlist on my Spotify account, and it, it's titled, 
Worship Perseverance Playlist. That That's the title of my Spotify playlist. Because it's in those moments where, I, where I'm just over it that I go to that playlist and similar to what I do when I'm running to just kind of recenter myself and refocus and find that motivation to, to not give up, to, to persevere. Now, in ancient Rome, if you were going to run in the Roman games, the, the Roman races, one of the things that was a requirement was for you to, to run was to be a citizen. You, you had to be a citizen of Rome to run in the Roman Colosseum to participate in those games. And the reason you had to be a citizen was because you had, you had to be a citizen in order to be eligible to receive the prize at the end of the race. If you were somehow able to sneak into the race and, and then finish well, you wouldn't be eligible to receive the reward at the end of the race because you weren't a Roman citizen. And I think that's interesting because the writer of Hebrews says, let, let us run this race with perseverance. Well, what race is he talking about? He's talking about life, right? The, this journey that we're on for, that, that we have to constantly navigate. He says this is a race and, and we've got to constantly run it. And as we run this race called life, how do we persevere? Well, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. That's how we get to the finish line. And, and he, at the end of this passage in chapter 12, he tells us what the reward for, for persevering, what, it, what the reward for making it to the finish line, for finishing the race is. And he says it's an inheritance of an unshakable kingdom. But here's the catch. You've got to be a citizen. You've got to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. If you're not a citizen of the kingdom of God, when you get to the end of the race, when you get to the finish line, you're not going to be able to inherit the prize, this unshakable kingdom that, that's much greater than, than a t-shirt or a medal or whatever it is that you get at a 5K or a marathon or whatever race that you're running. You inherit an unshakable kingdom. Now, for those that are citizens of the kingdom of God, you need to understand this, though, that becoming a citizen of the kingdom doesn't mean that your race is going to be just smooth and flat and, and no no trouble at all. In fact, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of hills and a lot of valleys that you're going to have to run through. There, there's no guarantee that that life on earth will just be a bed of roses, that all of your problems and all of your hardships will go away just because you've become a Christian, that just because you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And most of us have enough life experience to know this, don't we? But we often think that because we're Christians that life should just be easier for us, right? That, that somehow once we, we've given our lives over to Christ that everything will be easier from, from then on out. And sadly, that's been a selling point for, of churches that, that I know in, in the past uh, for their evangelism. That, that's been kind of the, the, the pitch is that, hey, just give your life to Jesus and, and all your problems will be gone. And yet there's not one single verse in Scripture. There's not one single promise in all of the Bible, that ever makes that claim. What we, what we do see in Scripture, what we do have, is a God, a Savior, who understands the pain and the suffering that we go through in our lives. Who understands what it's like to run up the hills and down the valleys. We, we see a God who, who has grace and mercy for us, that even when we are at our lowest points, even when we have hit that runner's wall and we don't think we can keep going, even when we are just over it all, and ready to give up. If you go back to verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. I, I like the way another translation reads. It says, Think of all the hostility that he encountered from sinful people. Well, well that's 
great and all, but why should we think of that? Why should we think about all the things that Jesus went through? Well, here's why the rest of that verse tells us, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We, we have a Savior who suffered for us, who endured hostility, who endured opposition on our behalf, and He didn't give up. He continued to persevere because there was a task at hand, there was a job to be done, and that job was to redeem the entire world. And we have a job, so we can't give up. We have to persevere. Our job is to make sure that that, that redemption is known by all of the world. So don't give up because there's a job to be done. You can't give up. There's too many people who don't know about Jesus, who don't know that there's redemption possible for them for us to just throw in the towel. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep pushing. We've got to persevere, even when life is hard. I'm not saying that life is going to be easy. In fact, I think I should probably tell you just the opposite. Because of your faith in Jesus, you will encounter difficulties and hardships. And we might even ask ourselves this question, if life seems too easy right now, then are we really living out the calling that we're being called to by Jesus? Are, are, we, are we shining our light brighter or are we just kind of blending in? But, but here's the deal. We're all at different stages uh, of life. We're all at different points in the race. And so if you're closer to the starting line, keep running. Keep, keep pace because there's work to do. There's a lot of ground to be gained yet. If, if you're in the middle uh, of, of the journey, uh, the middle of the race, you can look back and you can see how far you've gone, but don't keep your eyes focused on the past. Because if you're, only, if you're always looking to the past, you can never run to the future. Keep running. Don't grow weary because there's more ground to cover. And if you're getting closer to the finish line, if, if, you're, if you're coming down the, the back straightaway, the home stretch, run hard. Run hard. Finish strong. Don't, don't finish feeling like you could do more, that you, could, that, that you should have done more. Finish worn out with, with nothing left, that you're ready to receive the prize. If you're an older Christian, uh, a more experienced Christian, maybe one that's closer to the finish line, I want to speak to you for just uh, a, a moment. And, and I want you to hear this with love. I don't want you to hear me uh condemning you or coming down on you or anything like that this is not what that's about i i I want you to to hear this as an encouragement Um, you got to finish strong you're you're at the if you're at the end of the the race you're toward the finish line what you do now will impact the legacy that you leave so finish strong Finish strong. Don't give up. Don't don't finish feeling like there was more that you could have done. Don't just coast and and you know kind of coast through the finish line. No no no. Sprint. Finish strong. There's this mentality in, in the church that is very pervasive in the church, especially among older Christians. That that and this is kind of what they think. And it and I'm just gonna be honest with you. It it drives me nuts. It drives me crazy when when older Christians with this mentality think, well, I've done my time. It's time for somebody else to, to step in and, and do do it. And I just want to say, if that's your mentality, if that's what you think, I want to encourage you to, to change your perspective. Because there is a sense in which you have done a lot, and, and nobody's expecting you to continue to do the same things that you did 20, 30, 40 years ago. If you're you know, 60, 70, you know, 80 years old, nobody's expecting you to be out in the church parking lot paving the parking lot. I get it. Your, your, your roles and responsibilities change but don't think that you can just coast. Because what you're doing now will impact your legacy 
more. We always remember the last thing, right? So finish strong. Finish worn out. Finish with nothing left in the tank because the last thing me or you, either one of us wants is for us to get to heaven and to have to tell Jesus or Peter or whoever it is that's going to greet us there at the entrance to heaven and say and think, I could have done more. I could have done more. In fact, if, if, if you're an older Christian, an experienced Christian, you should really be at that point in your life where you've got the faith that can move mountains. You don't have to do so much of the physical work anymore because your faith can move mountains. So finish strong. Run, run toward the, toward the finish line with nothing left. Leave it all out on the course. Finish worn out. I, I remember the first 5K I ever ran. And I'll tell you, I wasn't in real good cardio shape. I had been running a, a mile here and a mile there, but but not really anything consistent and certainly nothing at, at a competition level. And so uh, there was this 5K in the town we were living in, so I decided I would I would sign up and run this race. And, I mean, it's it's three miles. H- how tough can it be, right? So I signed up, and, and on race day, there there was some adrenaline flowing, and, and my competitiveness certainly didn't factor in for the lack of training. If you've never been to a, to a race, like, you know, a 5K or a, or a half marathon or a marathon or whatever, I mean, there there's some adrenaline going uh, among the runners. that And so so mine was certainly pumping, and, and again, my, my competitiveness didn't factor in for, for the fact that I hadn't really trained. And so the gun went off, and I, I mean, I just shot out of there like a cannon. I took off, and I went way too fast, way too hard, way too early. And about a mile in, I was not in good shape. Um, I had run a mile pretty fast, but I just didn't have much left in the tank. But I had determined beforehand that I wasn't going to walk, that, that even if it was just barely above a walk, I was going to keep going. I, was gonna, uh, I wasn't going to walk. And, and I'll say this, the organizers uh, of that race, they did a great job of organizing and promoting it because they had, they had people all along the course cheering you on. And, and this was really my first experience with that. And so it, it really kind of gave me that extra boost that I needed to keep running. And so I, as I got toward the finish of my second mile, uh, I noticed that my pace had, had kind of leveled off, but it was pretty good. You know, I had, I had ran too hard at the beginning, but I kind of gathered myself and, and I was running okay. And my goal, I, you know, for, for this race, it was my first 5K. I thought, you know, if I can run this in under 30 minutes, that would be, that would be awesome. That would be great. And so I, I noticed that as I finished my second mile that the pace I was running at was, was pretty good for, for me. And, and that if I kept that pace, I could actually run quite a bit better than the 30-minute goal that I had, I had planned. Now, remember, I hadn't trained very well at all. And so by the time I finished that second mile, I, I just didn't have a lot left. And I was starting to slow down, but I was approaching the finish line, and there was just one big hill left, and then it was downhill to the finish line. And I started up this hill, and again, I just, my, my calves hurt. Um, I, I just, I don't have, you know, the, the physical endurance because I haven't trained for this. I, I just don't have it left. And, and as I'm running up this hill, out of nowhere comes this little old lady, and I, I won't say how old, much older she was, but considerably older than me, who had kept a steady pace from, from the whole time, and she passed me going up the hill. And I thought, man, there is no way I'm going to let this little old lady beat me, especially that close to the finish line. 
And so when I got to the top of the hill, I decided I was gonna I was gonna sprint with everything that I had left toward the finish line. It wasn't that far, and so I was just gonna run as as hard as I could. And I was gonna find that extra energy somewhere. And so I took off running. And about a, 150 to 200 yards from the finish line, I overtook the lady who had passed me going up the hill. And, and as I got closer to the finish line, though, still running as hard as I could, I, I felt this kind of this lump in my throat, this kind of thing. And then another one. And then another one. And by the time I hit the finish line, I couldn't hold it back in anymore. And I just threw up all over the finish line. It was gross and disgusting. And 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 I, I just couldn't help it. I, I couldn't contain it any longer. But I finished. I finished the race. I left everything I had out there. There, there wasn't any more running for me to do that day. And, and that, that's how I think we ought to be running this race of life. Leave it all out there. Don't feel like we could have done more when we finished. And here's the good news for, for you if, you're, if you feel tired, if you feel worn out, if you feel like you, you're about to give in, is that you've got built-in cheerleaders. That, that's what the church is for. At least it ought to be. You, your brothers and sisters in, in the church should be encouraging you, should be shouting for you to, to run hard, to run well, to, to not give up. The, the church exists in part to help each other along this race of life, to cheer you on, to go the next mile, to go the next hundred yards, to go whatever distance it takes. The church should be encouraging each other by encouraging us each other to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way that we run this race. That's the only way that we finish is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And you've got built-in cheerleaders. And there have been moments, I know, when the church has failed us. When, when the church hasn't lived up to the expectation that we might have had. But it, it's there for you. It's there for you. And there are people that, that, that are part of the body of Christ they want to come alongside of you and want to cheer you on because they know that they're also going to need you to cheer them on. So keep running. Here's the deal. Life isn't always easy. There's no guarantees that it ever will be. As bad as 2020 has been, we don't know, but 2020 could be, 2021 could be even worse. 2022 could be even worse than that. And, and I'm not trying to kill hope or anything like that. I'm just saying that the reality is, is that life doesn't always go the way that we want it to. So how are we going to face it? How are we going to face life when life throws us hardships, when life throws us difficulties? What, what are we going to do? How are we going to persevere? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. But by looking to, to the one who endured hostility for our sakes so that we would not grow weary. By running side by side with our brothers and sisters, encouraging each other along the way by not giving up because of, of hardships or, or of life or or societal pressures to give in you got to keep going you got to keep pushing you got to persevere keep running in, in second century rome this is one of my favorite stories about the early church fathers in, in second century rome polycarp an early church father was arrested for his faith polycarp was 86 years old and and he was being threatened to be fed to the lions because of his faith. In fact, it's it said that um, the proconsul told him, reproach Christ and I'll set you free. But, but if you don't, I'm going to feed you to the lions. And Polycarp, who could have easily said, hey, you know what? 
I, I don't want to be fed to the lions. I, you got it. I, I'll deny Christ. I'll I'll renounce my faith. I, I'm over it. Polycarp responded this way. He said, 86 years have I served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Bring on your lions. And it was said that Polycarp's martyrdom encouraged the rest of the believers, the rest of the church. And in fact, the church grew because of the example of Polycarp. Here's my point in all this is that whatever life throws at us, however many more years we have like 2020, and who knows how many of those we might have, keep running. Don't give up. And when the world says, hey, we're going to feed you to the lions, stand with your brothers and sisters and respond, bring them. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. And uh, Father, we thank you for, uh, for loving us and for providing that grace and mercy that we can find in you even in difficult circumstances, even in difficult times, even in years like 2020. So Father, when, when we're exhausted, when we're tired, when we're worn out, when we feel like we're ready to give up and to give in, would you help us to keep running, to keep pushing, to keep persevering, to, to, to fix our eyes on your Son, so that we can reach the prize set before us, that unshakable kingdom, that unshakable kingdom that you have called us to be citizens of. And so, Father, would you you bring alongside people to encourage us? And would we be that for other people, to, to encourage them to keep running, to not give up, to keep going? Because we've got a job to do, to make sure that all of the world knows about the redemption possible through Jesus. And so would the way we respond to difficult times, to hardships, to difficult circumstances, point people to you. May they point people to Jesus so that they might know about the hope that we have. And it's because of that great hope in Jesus that we have that we can be thankful in all circumstances. Even in years like 2020. Father, we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.